Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. This is Watchman Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli military intelligence and diplomatic experts and practitioners. And our special guest today for two conversations is Reserve Major General Guy Tsur. Welcome. Thank you. A former commander of uh, the Israeli Defense Forces uh, Ground Forces, as well as a divisional commander during the Second Lebanon War uh, almost 17 years ago, Mm -hmm. and uh, a veteran armor commander, among uh, other duties uh, on the general staff and in the Southern Command. We will go uh, over all of that. Now, um, you were born... Um, 60 years ago or yes, so. exactly. Um, and when you reached uh, your uh, draft age, Israel was after the Yom Kippur War and before the Lebanon War, now called the First Lebanon War. What made you join Armour of um, all branches? Well, first of all, from home, my father uh, was... Uh, Patriot, Israeli patriot, who admired uh, the IDF, admired uh, the officers of the IDF. And he supported all the time to convince me all the time to make the service a uh, real uh, service and a very serious one. Because you had other options? Well, I didn't know. I wasn't uh, so sure what I want. But uh, when I was uh, a little younger, younger than the uh, draft, uh, 17, 16 years old, uh, I used to read a lot, and I read uh, the book of uh, Yoni Netanyahu, uh, Yoni Netanyahu letters, and I read another book about uh, the commando, And uh, these two books influenced very much on my uh, motivation to become a soldier and a serious soldier. I had a neighbor who was a general uh, in the IDF and uh, all the, you know, all the spirit around our uh, houses and our neighbors were uh, very patriotic. So when I uh, recruited the IDF, I wanted to become, uh, as soon as possible, an officer. It was very important for me to become a commander. I admired the commanders, and when I... uh, A commander rather than a commando, because um, before the Yom Kippur War of 1973, the prestige of the Armour Corps was uh, at its uh, height. But after this war, uh, not too many uh, youngsters wanted to join uh, Armour. Yeah, you're right. But I convinced that this is the right way to 
start a long career and uh, in 18 years old I was thinking about a long career because of my, my neighbor and he was an armor commander. So uh, I decided to go to the armor and uh, I recruited to the armor in uh, 1980. So, and two years later, uh, you're already in a war. Yeah. And um, this is really, except for 2006, and we'll talk about that, but 1982 and uh, the uh, clash with Syrian armor is really the last time that the Israeli Defense Forces encountered a regular army on the battlefield. We haven't seen it for the last 40 years. Yes. What, what did you experience there? Well, you know, the experience uh, in Lebanon, to, to, uh, Lebanon uh, first Lebanon war, uh, I was in the beginning of this war, I was a commander in the Hermon Heights. I didn't... Uh, on the Golan, on the Golan, on the Golan uh, uh, front, yeah, not... I didn't Lebanon. enter in the beginning of the... Of the uh, first week of the war, and the war lasts for one week, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. The, this yes, this particular phase, because yes. because there was fear in Israel that the Syrians would join the war, and therefore uh, the best armor division stayed on the Golan Heights. Yes, yes, and I was in the Hermon, and we were supposed to conquer the Syrian Hermon. And we had a program and we did exercises and uh, we had to start uh, the conquering of the Syrian Hermon in Friday. And in 11 was the D-Day and the, the D-Hour. But also the ceasefire. <laughs> But also the ceasefire, yes. And it was a very, very challenging uh, operation. And I was uh, planned to be the first tank that will conquer the... But this is, uh, this is a mountainous terrain. This is yes. not a tank uh, terrain. Yes, you're right. But uh, the program was to conquer uh, with the infantry around the highest place of the Syrian Hermon and then to enter the uh, tanks. And I was the first tank that was planned to... enter and to conquer uh, it was very challenging. so you so you lost your moment of glory yeah <laughs> yes yeah, so so I entered in the second uh, week to the uh, first Lebanon war and it it was the starting of a war like the terror war that we face today it was not a movement uh, after the first week we uh, You know, we maneuver a very uh, small part of the... So why uh, use tanks at all? Um, the, this was, uh, of course, against the Palestinian organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, this was the beginning of Amal and Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. um, Anti-tank squads, perhaps, mines, booby traps. Why, why use armored vehicles and especially tanks? Well, first of all, that's what we had. That's the real... You go to war with what you have. <laughs> yeah, you go to war with what you have. I, I think that maybe this is the last war that we anticipated for something and we got what we anticipated. The, the days after, the years after, we faced uh, many other wars and all of them were some kind of surprise. This was the last war that we 
practice, we trained ourselves for a mountain uh, kind of uh, fighting with armor and infantry. And it was uh, the word that uh, we got. It's interesting that Israel, um, uh, small as it is, had both a desert front, uh, at least in Sinai. Uh, this is the very time when Israel withdrew from the yeah. Sinai, yeah. but the armored divisions trained to fight there too. And also this northern mountainous and winter yeah. uh, warfare, because while the war started in June, um, it got bogged down uh, into wintertime, which is very harsh in Lebanon. And I think that it answers to your last question, because the main threat that we anticipated then was Egypt, even though we started to become uh, in peace, but we understood that uh, it will take time, and the main wars are uh, armor wars. Uh, so that's what we had. We didn't have the protection that we have now. We didn't have the... Protection for the tanks. For the tanks. We didn't have the fast technology and the fast, uh, you know, IT that we have nowadays in uh, the tanks. But it was good for the... good enough for the enemy that we had. This was, this was the first uh, time Israel employed the locally produced Merkava tank. Yes. Of course, it has American-produced engines, but uh, the rest uh, is produced in Israel. It uh, entered service in 1979, and uh, this was the first time it was tested um, on the battlefield. What yeah. were the results? Well, I was not in Merkava then. I was in the Centurion uh, then. But the results, I know it as uh, uh, years after that, I was the uh, commander of the doctrine of the armor. Uh, all the wars, the Merkava was a very good uh, tank. We have now the fifth uh, generation of the Merkava. And I think this is the best tank in the world. And I, I really uh, familiar with the other tanks. And all the time it had some kind of advantage on the other tanks in the air. The, the, the uh, brilliant idea of uh, the late General Israel Tal, yeah. uh, which combined the moral and professional lessons, was to build a tank around the crew. Yeah. Because if the crew is hurt, um, is hit by another tank, it's useless anyway. And also you save lives. So you start from the idea that you have to protect the crew um, by the engine too, not only yeah, yeah, the armor plate. Yeah, the driver uh, is protected. Very, very engine. unique idea. Yes, I think that uh, Israel Tal was a real talent in the military uh, arena, and he saw for very long distance what is going on, and he also anticipated that the anti-tank missiles will be the main uh, threat uh, in the... But he, at first he believed that uh, helicopters armed with anti-tank yes. missiles will be the threat, but, but then you had anti-aircraft missiles which yeah. neutralized them. Yes, but, but, but the, the threat on the tank is now maybe only the anti-tank missiles and the other explosions uh, like the... Is that because 
um, in tank versus tank warfare, if you outrange the other side and, and uh, you draw first, like in the Wild West, right? Yeah, yeah. Whoever draws first yeah, yeah, yeah. wins. Then, first. Right, yeah. then, then um, you win. But the range that the anti-tank missiles have um, are now um, perhaps longer than what the tank has. Well, I think that it's connected to this uh, point, but it is also connected to the point that I think that the, the technology came to a point that it knows to protect against, uh, you know, against uh, penetration of uh, iron to iron. Uh, we know to protect uh, with uh, complicated uh, materials, we know to uh, protect it. We don't know or we are not good enough in protect uh, from the technology of the anti-tank missiles. That's why the anti-tank missiles, the range and the uh, ability to uh, penetrate almost everything uh, is uh, now in a very big advantage in the enemy's uh, capabilities. But regular shells uh, shot by yeah. a tank uh, cannot be electronically fooled, uh, electronically uh, deflected. While if the uh, anti-tank missile is launched by, by someone uh, who has to, to uh, try and steer it towards the tank, uh, they can uh, be electronically uh, taken care of. Well, the technology uh, haven't got the point that it knows to do it electronically. If you see the Meilruach, um, the... Uh, uh, yeah, wind, windbreaker. Yeah, uh, I thought I forgot uh, the name of it, but uh, the main uh, protection system that we have now and we sold uh, to the American uh, trophy. The name is trophy. The the uh, export version. Yeah, the trophy. We see that it's not electronically, uh, um, you know, um, it's kill, not it's not the threat, but. It kills the, the threat physically. Uh, so it's the same way that we tried to uh, kill the normal shells. But the normal shells, we didn't do it by uh, kill it, but we did it by protect on the body of the armor. You, you had um, a very um, fast career uh, advance uh, as if when one looks at your at your uh, CV, you had uh, the command of a regular brigade mm -hmm. uh, in armor uh, mm. quite early, at least in our current terms. Yeah. Um, decades ago, yeah. uh, officers got such command very early, but they also retired uh, yeah. very very early. And you took part uh, in Operation Defensive Shield. Yeah. which is uh, usually known for what the infantry brigades did. But your brigade also took part. Well, I was a, com a brigade commander in a defensive shield. Uh, it was after I uh, came back from uh, England, from uh, RCDS. And it was one of the most uh, challenging uh, confrontation that we had in these uh, years. Uh, when I thought that uh, the, um, uh, com the armor brigade 
are not relevant as an armor brigade to this uh, confrontation. I went to the commanders of the IDF, it was Shaul Mofaz and uh, Doron Almog was the South commander, and I told them that I want to become a commander with my forces and with other forces on the area of the central uh, uh, Gaza Strip, uh, the central area of uh, the Gaza Strip. And after a long uh, debate and uh, discussion, they uh, approve it. But this operation was cancelled? The operation no, but within the Gaza Strip? Yeah, it was cancelled, but I was responsible something like six months on the central area of uh, the Gaza Strip. And the other, the, the northern and the southern brigades had paratroop or infantry commanders? Yeah, but, but, but I had infantry, command, uh, infantry troops, I had uh, paratroop troops, and I had a, lo- a little bit of armor in this... Uh, but they seemed that uh, the um, Palestinians, uh, uh, it wasn't, it was, it was uh, uh, Hamas mostly, um, they managed to um, have IEDs and uh, cause a lot of damage to the Israeli tanks. Um, this was um, uh, about the same time that the Americans encountered such problems in Afghanistan and then Iraq. Yes, well, the, the most damage that we had is from the IED that came beneath our armor Vehicle because this is the least protected part of the yes, tank. Yes, and the Hamas uh, and uh, the other Palestinians revealed it. This is our uh, not strong point, and they uh, use it very good. The soft underbelly. Yeah, yeah. But most of the threat there was a threat from uh, you know terrorists uh, that uh, shoot on the civilians in the road. So we dealt most of the time in. Um, secured the roads and they dealt with uh, terrorists around all around uh, the area of the civilians. Uh, in my uh, first 120 days of uh, controlling, of commanding on this area, we had 120 confrontation with terrorists face to face. So on the average one a day? One a day, 37 uh, of them, I was the first one who met uh, the terrorists uh, in front of me. Uh, so Leading was, from the front. Yeah, so it was uh, a real infantry battle uh, most of the time. Now, um, out of uh, this position, or the, the uh, kernel position, as you said, you also uh, led the doctrine uh, department of the um, of the ground forces. Yeah, um, you were elevated to chief of staff of the Southern Command, and um, you had a central role in the withdrawal from Gaza. Yeah. But before you get to that, go back for a second to your studies in Great Britain, RCDS, the, yes. the Royal College for Defense yes. Uh, yes. Studies. Yes. Um, and obviously, uh, England was um, probably the uh, birth of armor yeah. with General Fuller and, and others. And here you come from Israel uh, with your fresh experience. Did you teach them or did you study from them? 
Well, the truth is that the Royal College of Defense Studies is a place for generals. It's not a place for not colonels and not brigade uh, commanders and not battalion commanders. And the truth is that uh, the, I was a, a, dep, a, a colonel, a, a general of a lieutenant colonel, lieutenant colonel uh, and the, the IDF promised that I will become a, co- a full colonel during this uh, year, and, and uh, that's what uh, happened. So I met 80, pers- uh, eight, 80 persons there, 80 members, 40 of them were uh, uh, Britons, and uh, 40 of them were from other, other places in the world. But most of them were generals, uh, lieutenant general, major generals, and diplomat, diplomats uh, from... Uh, Foreign office. Yes. So most of the issues there were strategic issues about uh, eight areas in the world and their economic, uh, security, and uh, welfare challenges in every zone. It was not about uh, armor or about any military uh, Now, you know, m- maneuver or something in, like that. In recent years, <clears throat> recent decades even, most uh, senior Israeli officers who are groomed for higher command go to the United States yes. uh, to study. Yes. Did you have a chance to compare when you got back Uh, your experience in a British school with your colleagues from the American uh, well, schools? Well, I had, I had the chance to compare when I was the ground force commander. When I was the ground force commander, I sent part of the officers to the American uh, institutions and part of them to the Royal College of Defense Studies. It's different. Uh, the experience of most of the uh, schools in the United States are tactical uh, schools that we send. We send much less to the strategic uh, schools. And in England, we send to the strategic uh, schools. That's so Army War College or Quantico, the Marines, yeah, yeah, this is it's more tactical. So it is hard to compare. They are both very good. Um, What we used to do is uh, officers that we see a little, you know, long distance career, uh, those who we thought that will be generals or uh, something very senior, we sent uh, to the Royal College of Defense Studies. Uh, the other we sent to the uh, schools. Uh, the But also, also NDU, the National Defense University, yes. is for colonels. Yes, uh, yes. NDU uh, is for colonels. NDU is strategic and tactical. I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the program and the, the deep insight of, the, of this. Uh, What were the challenges when in uh, 2005, in, in the summer, um, now almost 18 years ago, Israel decided to withdraw from the Gaza Strip and evacuate the, some 8,000 yeah. settlers there. So this was not really a military operation, and it also had to do with the police handling uh, some of it. Yeah, yeah. But you were in the thick of business. Um, you had, of course, the uh, commanding general of the Southern Command above you, a major general, but you as a brigadier general 
had a key part. What were your yes. duties? Well, first of all, we must uh, say that uh, it was very different from an opera from a military uh, operation. Uh, and the the IDF said that uh, uh, the future is that the Hamas will uh, control uh, the Gaza Strip and uh, that uh, the spirit there will be like it is today. It's a day-by-day -day war with the Gaza Strip and we understood it, but uh, the government decided and we had to uh, do it. We saw the first challenge is to prevent uh, brothers' uh, war. Uh, civil war against yeah, the settlers. Yeah, this was the main challenge. And we dealt it with trying to uh, find those who will start to think about violence or shooting against the policemen and the soldiers that uh, were there. So we made three circles of... Uh, of uh, intelligence soldiers and others in order to see if someone is thinking, let alone trying, uh, to start violence. And my duty was to try to negotiate with the settlers and to become to a point that we agree about the fact that they will evacuate from the Gaza Strip and how they will evacuate and I was I had a success in most of the settlements there a part of one of them and what you saw in the TV was some kind of a production of me and of the head of the settlement of how any settlement will evacuate from their houses. Now, um, our first conversation is coming to a close, but uh, even though um, there were, of course, uh, um, contradictions between your position as the IDF and the settlers, you had one thing in common. You didn't want it to look so easy that people would think that in the West Bank, such a withdrawal will also um, be yeah. easy to, yes. to execute. There were no casualties. This operation um, finally succeeded with no one uh, getting killed on, yeah, on either yeah. side. Uh, a it's, very it's, important point. It's a big, point. big respect for that, uh, for the settlers. The settlers eventually were very responsible for their people and for the, you know, the state of Israel. And they, uh, you know, preserved their... Uh, patriotism to Israel instead of... Uh, they complied with government uh, policy eventually, yes. even though they, they uh, were against it and yes. tried to resist it. Yes. Um, General Guy Tzur, thank you very much. We will thank be you. back for another conversation very soon. This thank has been much. Watchmen Talk, um, and we will be back uh, for another conversation with General Tzur. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.